0: Good morning, good morning, good morning. Happy Father's Day. It should be happy every day, shouldn't it? Well, today as a Father's Day message, uh, I'm excited a couple of, let's see, five weeks ago it was Mother's Day and I preached a sermon, Behold and Honor. Amazing revelation came out of those two words, the word behold and the word honor. And uh, I continued preaching uh, on the subject of honor, and the following week I preached that honor is the culture of the kingdom of God. And then the week after that I preached on honoring the local church church. I'm going to continue on the series of honor because I think honor is underrated. It's underrated. Uh, It's not X-rated. It is underrated. And in our culture, we live in an honorless society and an honorless culture. And the kingdom of God is a culture of honor. Can I get an agreement? It, It really is. Uh, But I want to start by telling a little bit of a story because it was Father's Day a few years back in a little Sunday school class, and this Sunday school teacher, this young lady, had the uh, difficult uh, challenge of teaching a Sunday school class where one of the little boys in the class was the pastor's son. How many of you know if you're a Sunday school teacher and the pastor's son is in the class, you want to make sure you get everything right because little Johnny is going to repeat what he thinks he heard to mommy and daddy, right? So I pity anyone who had to teach my kids. Now my kids have grown up and uh, one of them's running. The children's church. So it was a Father's Day, and here's this Sunday school teacher teaching the children, and she wants to make the point that God's name is Father. And Jesus, in the Lord's Prayer, taught people to pray. They said, How do we pray? And he said, This is how you pray Our Father, Father, which is or are in heaven, right? Our Father, which is in heaven, and so he's teaching them how to pray to God, and the first thing he says is God isn't just a deity. You see, to be a deity means that you're supreme, you're the creator, you're, you're, you're it. God doesn't want Jesus as God in the flesh, so Jesus is introducing himself and he doesn't just want to be a deity, he wants to be a father. And there's a huge difference because a father comes with a lifetime commitment. Amen. And so God is saying, I'm, I don't want you to just worship me as a deity, I'm a dad. You have come out of my loins. I, I, I think it's so hard. We look at fallen humanity and we can't grasp the fact that we were really created and were meant to be in the image of God. In in every sense of the expression, spiritually, we came out of God's loins. The giraffe didn't. The monkey didn't. The gorilla didn't. The hippo didn't. The butterfly didn't. You and I were created in his image. So here's God in the flesh, Jesus, introducing us how to pray to God. And the first thing he says is, Our Father. So many times we pray and it's just God. And while God is the only deity and he is deity, God names himself Father. Because he comes with eternal relationships. He wants to be the provider. He wants to be the caregiver. He wants to be the one that helps to shape your thinking. He wants to be your encourager. He wants to be your cheer uh, squad. He wants to be the one that backs you and stands with you and is eternally proud of you. And so here's Jesus teaching us how to pray to God. His disciples said, man, you move in such power no one's ever seen this type of the types of miracles you do and you preach but when you preach it makes sense teach us how to pray because they saw Jesus praying all the time isn't it amazing that he introduces them how to pray to God and the very first statement that we always miss is that he names God and says our father That's why the Apostle Paul says that we receive the spirit of adoption and that spirit that has adopted us cries out within us and says, Abba, Father, which means literally Daddy, Daddy. God doesn't just want to be a deity that you respect and that you recognize. He wants relationship. He wants to have relationship with you. I don't know what your natural dad has been like or what kind of an image comes up in your mind when you hear the term father. But God wants to be what every father should have been, the model dad. He wants to be the one that is in your corner, that loves you. There's never a safer place than being in dad's corner or being with dad. And unfortunately, in the natural world, that's not always true. Sometimes we've had fathers that abuse us mentally, emotionally, physically, and even sexually. Unfortunately, humanity can be so broken that sometimes the father image could be the worst image in the world to have to relate to, and that's because... Satan took the image of who God is as a father and he made sure that he distorted it, perverted it, and broke it in humanity so that we're constantly mirroring a negative father image. I remember when I first came into the ministry, it was one of the first things God did with me. I was in training in in an Australian church and uh, God very clearly said to me, I'm going to fix your relationship with your dad. And I thought, I don't have a bad relationship with my dad. He says, when I fix your relationship with your dad, your relationship with me will go to a whole nother level. I remember it so clearly. I tell this story often. It was a major turning point in my life. And anyway, this isn't my sermon today, but the reality is that God brought a healing that I didn't know was needed in my relationship with my earthly dad And, uh, you know, he didn't talk English. He was Italian. And uh, I didn't talk Italian. And he didn't communicate much with us. And so words of affirmation, that's my number one love language. That's why I love it when you say, good preaching, Pastor Rob. That's why when you don't say it, I'll say it. (laughs) Words of affirmation. And uh, anyway, I I told my dad, you know, I I know you love me. I know you do. You've always been there. But I've never, I don't have any pictures in my memory of you saying I love you. I don't have any pictures of you hugging me. And he just broke down like a, like a little baby. And uh, in the Scarallo family, when you get emotional, at least my dad, his nose would go bright red, his ears would go bright red, his cheeks would go bright red. And he's sobbing, and he hugs me, and he's crying over me and saying, I love you, Rob. I love you. And uh, f- for months, almost 18 months, whenever I prayed to God, I'd see my father, my dad, my natural dad's face. And I thought, this is demonic. I'm going to rebuke it. And I kept rebuking it. And uh, finally, the Holy Spirit said, no. The image you have of your natural dad will always reflect what you feel about me as your dad. He said, I'm healing it. And he literally allowed me that every time I prayed, I would see my father weeping over me. And for 18 months, he allowed that picture to be there. You cannot separate the image of God, your father, from the image of God, your natural dad. And that's why the enemy works to destroy dads from when they're little boys. And he he puts a chink in them, and he... He cripples them. He does it with all of us so that we don't mirror image who God is. We mirror image who the devil wants us to be. Wow. Yeah. And so most of humanity is mirror imaging what demons want us to be, broken, defeated. They were destined to be under our feet, but they they have, were illegally given, well, they were given the authority by the first Adam, and now they want us under their feet. So anyway, let me get back to the story. The Sunday school teacher wants to make this point that God's name is Father, right? So she says to all the kids in the class, little Johnny's there, and she's making sure she's teaching everything right, and she says, well, children, today I want to teach you God's name, Jesus taught us the Lord's Prayer and he said, this is how you pray to God, our Father. God's name is Father. And little Johnny's looking at her and he's not giving her the eye of approval. And finally Johnny speaks up and he says, that's not true. Well, last thing any Sunday school teacher wants is for the kid in her class whose father is the pastor to go back home and say she was preaching lies. So she said to little Johnny, she said, okay, well, Johnny, tell me, what is God's name? And little Johnny stood up, and he said very boldly, my daddy taught me the Lord's Prayer too. And Jesus said, our father, Harold is your name. Yeah. But there's an interesting point, because Jesus did say, Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. What does that mean? If you were to look this word up in the Greek, the word hallowed, this is very important. This is key to the message today. I'm going to make several key points, very important. The word hallowed comes from the Greek word hagiadzo, and it means to make holy, to consecrate, to sanctify. This is how it gets used in the Greek. So I'm gonna give you the usage to treat as holy, to set apart, to sanctify, to hallow, to treat with reverence. You know, it's like, I, I don't know if this happens in your home, but you know, when uh, you're having a party for the kids, you take out the paper plates. When uh, the family's coming over, you take out, you know, uh, China, you know. And then when you have special guests, out comes the silverware and the plates you've never seen before. I have an uncle who is with the Lord now, and he had a nice house and he had a dining room. Nobody ever ate in the dining room. You ate in the kitchen, around the kitchen table. And uh, every once in a while, uh, uh, a very special guest would come, and out would come, you know, all the china, all the silverware. And we used to tease them, why doesn't this stuff come out when we come over? You're afraid we're going to steal the silverware? <laughs> yeah. And, and you, you actually got to eat in the, in the dining room. I mean, that, that room was sacred. Hallowed means to make something sacred to treat it like it's special, to treat it like this is dignitary. So hallowed, to make it holy, to treat it as if it is holy, used only on special occasions. So Jesus is teaching us that God is a father, God is a father, point one, and as a father, we have to treat that position as if it's dignity, it's royalty, it's special, it's hallowed. So, Jesus, in one sentence, teaches us God isn't just a deity, he's relational, he's a dad, you came out of his loins, you can never ever fully be separated from him because he is in you and as a father, he needs to be given space for being special, royal, yeah, amen, amen. What's really interesting as we continue down this line of thought is this, that in the Ten Commandments, and you'll remember in this series I said to you, God took all the rules that would make for a perfect society and he crunched them down to ten. He condensed them to ten. And every one of those rules has to do with honor, honoring God, honoring yourself. And honoring others. Now, I said in the earlier service, the Ten Commandments are all about love. But you see, we live in a polluted society. Love, I love you for what you can do for me. That's not love. It's like an infant, you know, who's nursing at the breast or a little child loves mommy and daddy, and we call it cupboard love, they love that person because they are the source of their care and their nutrition. But then as that child grows older, hopefully, if the parents have cultivated a good relationship, the relationship and the love goes beyond the cupboard love. In this society, we love love, other people for what they can be to us and for us. And so we have a very slanted view of love. And that's why I say the Ten Commandments are more than ten laws of love. They are ten laws of honor. You see, I can love you because of what I can get from you. You feed my ego. I I can love you because I, I, I can manipulate you and get what I want. And that's a very distorted basis of love. But honor, when you give honor, you're taking something precious of yourself and you're crowning the other person with it. When you give honor, you you could have love without honor. You can't have honor without love. And when you give honor, you're taking whatever goodness is in you and you're Clothing, you're putting a crown on Rowan's head. You're putting fine garments on him. You speak well of him, and you take of the goodness that's in you, and you praise him with it, and honor doesn't count the risk that you are raising the other person up, maybe even above yourself. Honor is the truest indication of genuine love, because love can be very self-serving. Can I get an agreement? Absolutely. You see, we live in a society and an age where love is about what you can do for me and what you can do for me to gratify my needs, my wants, even sexually. And so to love someone is to get undressed and to have sexual intercourse. But with honor, you're not undressing the other person, you're dressing them. You're clothing them. You're respecting them. You're giving them preference. You're making space for who they are as a person and you're putting value on them. Somebody give me an amen. I said in the past, I said it again this morning, and I'll say it now, and that when we dishonor someone, whenever you've been hurt, whenever you've been wounded, whenever someone made you cry, whenever someone made you feel rejected, if you were to analyze what took place in your emotions and why it hurt so much, they lied about you, they fibbed about you, they left you out, They uh, talk negative about you. What hurts is they are taking honor off of you. They are unclothing you. You see, the Bible says that when God created us, he created us in his image and he crowned us with glory and honor. And when Adam and Eve first sinned, what the devil was trying to do in the Garden of Eden, they were clothed in the glory of God. And he made them disrespect God and not trust God and the glory came off and they found out they were naked. Now they knew they were naked in the flesh. They knew that, but now they were naked without the glory and the likeness and the presence of God around their lives. The enemy, the kingdom of darkness, will always look to dishonor you. To dishonor you is to take your clothes off In terms of honor and glory, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. And I tell you today that honor is the culture of the kingdom of God, and dishonor is the culture of demons. It really is. When we hurt someone, when we offend someone, when we put someone down, when we ignore someone, when we trash talk someone, we are literally taking the honor that God clothed humanity with. We're taking it off them. We're undressing them. You know what we're doing? In the realm of the spirit, we're raping them. See, rape in the natural is to violate your free will and your choice and to disgrace you to fulfill my basest lack of self-control. And I will exert what I want over you at your expense, and that's why a person always feels like they're the dirty one. Why? They're the ugly one. Why? Because honor, the clothing of honor was taken off of them. And the Bible is big on honor because when you speak honor over a person, you start to heal all the wounds of dishonor. Everything about the Word of God is so powerful. It's so powerful. And that's why... After the fall, we walk around without the honor of God. We are naked in the natural. We live in a world that's forever taking honor off of us. And so the apostle Paul says, if anyone is born again, they are in Jesus Christ. And if they are in Jesus Christ, in the Greek, it literally says you're a brand new species. You're not just son of man, son of woman, you're son of God. I don't know if you've ever noticed in the Gospels, but Jesus' title was at times Son of Man, and other times it was Son of God. You see, when you get born again, you stop being just Son of Man. You become Son of Man, Son of God. You're a new species. And so Paul says if anyone is in Christ, behold, the old past, passed, the new has come. They are a new creation. And then he says something that preachers never talk about. He says, that's why, therefore, that's why we will regard no one from a worldly point of view. I will not look at you as who you are in the natural. I will not look at you f- from the angle of your faults and your lack. I am not going to dishonor you. I am going to see you as who you were destined to be from before time and who you are right now in Jesus Christ. You see, even the aftermath of having our sins forgiven, the language of the kingdom of God is that we are new creations and God will not look at us as worldly. He will not look at us as who we are in the natural. He looks at us as the finished product, a mirror image of Jesus Christ. Somebody give God a high five. And that's why Paul says we should look at each other that way. When we give honor, when I speak to you, when I make time for you, when an adult takes time to talk to a little child and the kid's not making sense and you know they're not making sense, but you talk to them like everything they have to say is totally electrifying your senses. Whether that kid understands or not, you are giving honor. You're putting honor on that child. They will not be able to understand it here, but they'll feel it. And when we give honor, we are clothing them with crowns. When we give honor, when we give time, when we give Of ourselves when we speak words that we mean from our heart when we take from the good that is in us and we don't count it or measure it but we just generously wash it over another person we are putting them in silk garments we're painting their toenails their fingernails if they're a woman (laughs) there are two genders and only two genders okay but we are giving honor, we are restoring. You see, when people act crotchety and angry and nasty and they're constantly doing things to reject us, they are acting out of the fact that spiritually they were raped, they were abused, and they're a victim. Honor was taken off of them, and so they act out of the image that is scarred in their emotional and mental intellect and they're living out of that trauma. And so they were dishonored, and so they act dishonorably. And the Bible doesn't say give honor where honor is due. The world says that. If you prove yourself, if you earn it, I'll mete out a little bit of honor, but I'm watching did you get a brownie point or are we taken away five brownie points? In the kingdom of God, it's not give honor where honor is due. In the kingdom of God, the word of God teaches us to ascribe honor. God is a father, hallowed be your name. We ascribe, we put weight, we make a space in our lives to recognize that this is a significant position. Isn't it very interesting that God, Jesus, in the flesh, correlates deity with fatherhood and then correlates fatherhood with being hallowed? Amen. Stay with me. So then God writes ten commandments. He takes all the rules and the laws that would make a perfect society, crunches them down to ten And all those Ten Commandments about honoring God, honoring yourself, honoring your neighbor, it's more than just love, because I can love you for what I can get. But when I honor you, I'm not taking anything. Did you hear that? I can love you for what I get from you, what I can take, what I can manipulate. But when I honor, I can only leave you blessed. Huge difference. Somebody say, good preaching, Pastor Ron. Okay, so I refer to the Ten Commandments as the ten laws of honor. And what's interesting, God reduces it to ten, and and if we could live it, we'd have a perfect society. But rule number three, Exodus chapter 20, uh, verse 7 Commandment number three, you will not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Jesus said, this is how you pray to God. Father, hallowed, we're going to give reverence. We're going to give honor. We're going to give space. We're going to give dignity. We're going to give recognition to your name your father honor is such a culture of the kingdom of God and dishonor is such a culture of hell demons love dishonor they love it I said in the first service uh, it's amazing I preach three quarters of everything that isn't in my notes and that's why it's hard to do the second service because stuff just flies out of my mouth and I think wow Holy Ghost that was good where'd you come up with that And then I try to repeat it in the second service, and my physical brain gets mixed up. I actually find it easier to preach in the first service because it's coming out fresh. But watch this. Jesus preaches the Beatitudes, and there's quite a few of them. But one Beatitude, he says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be known as sons of God. Stop. Why why does this even qualify to be a beatitude? Blessed are the peacemakers. When you understand that honor is the culture of heaven and dishonor is the culture of demons. When you understand that, a peacemaker is constantly putting out the gossip somebody else is talking. A peacemaker is constantly putting a good word in where somebody's trying to drag somebody else down. You see, we look best if we can find faults in somebody who is similar to us. Because if I can pull them down, I look better just by inference. This is the culture of the kingdom of darkness. But in the kingdom of God, you look best while you're dressing someone else in silk, in gold embroidery, while you're putting a crown on their head, and you're spraying them with a sweet-smelling fragrance. You see, honor is the oil of myrrh, and when we put that expensive oil on somebody else's life, and we start lathering their hair, and rub it all over them, and on their face, and we're putting this expensive oil on them, it's called Costing me something. I'm taking of the goodness that's in me. I'm not taking something, I'm giving something. And as I'm clothing them with honor and rubbing the oil in, I am healing the dishonor of their wounds from their childhood. Oh, good preaching, Pastor Rob. And so when Jesus said, blessed are those who are peacemakers, that's the person who stops the gossip, that's the person who stops the backbiting, the criticism, the racism, et cetera, et cetera. Why is it that he says peacemakers will be known as sons of God? Because the gossip, the criticism, the racism, uh, the lies, all of those things that you're putting out is the... Dishonor the language of demons, and they will be known as sons of God by who the demonic world. The demonic world will know that you are a son of God because every time demons are trying to dishonor this preacher, dishonor this church. Take credibility away from this congregation. Take uh, credibility away from my sister or my brother. The more dishonor the culture and the language of demons, as that is filtering around, we have it in politics, we have it in every arena of life. A spirit-filled person comes along and takes the fire hose of honor. And starts putting out all the dishonor. And then they start putting positive words in. Well, maybe if you look at it from this perspective, maybe they don't mean what you perceived. I could see that they could be responding like this, this, and this, and it really has nothing to do with you. And demons are going, shucks, hell, I hate this. This person keeps interrupting. They keep messing up my work. Blessed are the peacemakers they are the people who put out the language of dishonor and they flood people with the honor with the language of honor and they will be known in the demonic world as sons of god <clears throat> Honor It's interesting thank you uh, I'll say so myself If you don't mind, it is good preaching. A lot of this isn't in my notes, so when I say good preaching, I'm saying, Holy Ghost, you're you're doing good today. What's interesting is the 10 rules he crunched down that are laws of honor. He puts in there and he says in verse 12, Honor your father and your mother that your days will be long upon the land and which the Lord your God has given you. What's interesting, now watch, remember, stay with me. Jesus' disciples said, how do we pray to God? Our father relationship, gives them a name, father. Hallowed, respected, honored, lifted up. Be the name of a Father. Then God says in the Ten Commandments, don't use my name in vain. Don't treat me like a tissue in a tissue box. I'm there when you need me. You blow your nose on me. You wipe your tears on me. And then you throw it away, and I don't count for the rest of your life. Yeah, good analogy, Pastor Rob. (laughs) Don't use my name. Don't treat it with complacency. Don't treat it like it's the mundane don't treat me like I'm ordinary. Don't need me for your crisis and reject me for your everyday life. He says, you do that, that can't be forgiven. You know, I'll hold you accountable. That's what he says, I'll hold you accountable. But then he says, now honor your mother and your father, father, human father. And the word honor in the Hebrew, okay, okay. The word honor in the Hebrew is the word kabad, and it means heavy, weighty, heavy. This is why young men get married, and uh, after they've been married 12 months, two years, and they have a kid or two, they get heavy. I want you to see, I am very honorable. I carry a lot of honor. Weighty, meaning he's a heavy. Isn't it funny that in the world we recognize people that are heavy? The mafia has its own method of recognizing the heavies. Don't mess with the godfather. I mean, the f- godfather only has to tell a peon in his organization, and, and, and you're dog meat. You, you'll, you'll be at the bottom of the river feeding fish. Okay? And we understand in pop culture, we understand in secular culture, oh, the heavies are coming. And then in the church, we don't recognize this concept of kabod, heavy, heavy, weighty. This person carries weight. This person carries substance. This person carries authority heavy, weighty, numerous, rich, honorable, to make weighty. When God said, honor your mother and your father, he's not saying give honor because they've earned it. The culture of the kingdom of God is you give honor because honor will heal. You give honor because no matter how broken they are, they were created and were intended to be in my image. That's why God loves even broken people like us who were sinners. When I was a sinner, God treated me with the greatest of respect. When I was backslidden and away from God, God treated me like an individual and told me nothing but how much he loved me. You see, the language of heaven is a language of honor, and the language of hell is... Is a language that takes honor away from other people. Turn to somebody and say, This is a good message. I needed to hear this today. Amen. <clears throat> All right. So honor your mother and your father. You see, I don't know what kind of a father relationship you had with your dad or even with your mom. But any ugliness in them is only because somewhere in their life they were dishonored and they're living out of the trauma of the moments of their dishonorment. And so they're ugly because what happened to them was ugly. And the devil wants us to relate to them on that basis and God says, no, I want you to relate to them on the basis of faith. Don't see them as they are. See them as who I designed them to be because when we give honor and we rub the oil of myrrh i don't want to mess up another person's hair <laughs> so when we rub in the oil of myrrh we're putting honor that will heal the dishonor that happened in his childhood his adolescence etc cetera, etc cetera. kingdom of God is so different than the life we've learned. Here's the greatest, here's my greatest sadness about the church of Jesus Christ. We've learned enough from the Bible to get saved, have our sins forgiven, and I'm going to heaven. And we continue to live like the world when God's intention is was that we would cultivate the culture of the kingdom around us. That's why we're meant to be the salt of the earth. But we got enough gospel to say, my sins are forgiven, I'm going to heaven, hallelujah. And we haven't been taught kingdom culture. We haven't been taught the things that are radically different from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of heaven. You won't need a psychologist or a psychiatrist if you start speaking the language of heaven. You'll start to heal the wounds and the doubts and the second guessing and inferiority. Forget it. The inferiority that was in you will get an inferiority complex because somebody's showering you with so much honor. When we understand that Honor is the culture of heaven. Demons cannot be drawn to it. Look, if I wish we would understand the kingdom of God more. It's not a place I'm going to. It's not just something that lives in me. It has a character. It has an atmosphere. And I'm called to live in alignment with the character and the atmosphere of the culture of God's kingdom. I'm telling you, my saddest thing about the church of Jesus Christ is that we've learned enough of the gospel to know how to get forgiven and we're going to go to heaven. But if we would learn the culture of the gospel of the kingdom of God, if we would understand it, if we would mirror it, if we would live it, you wouldn't just have to put hands on somebody and pray in Jesus' name to get healed. They'd get healed by our lifestyle. Do you know that when Paul was talking to the Corinthians, he's writing in in his letter, and he's talking about Holy Communion, and he's saying the reason why so many of you are sick and you are dying is because when you have communion with each other, you don't recognize the body of Christ. You see... Belinda here is the body of Jesus. She is created in the image of my father. And when I gossip about her, I am tearing down Jesus Christ. When I dishonor her and talk bad about her, I am raping her spiritually. I am using my basest, unself-disciplined lust to satisfy myself and to disrespect and take any sense of honor away from her. That's why in the Ten Commandments, God says, Thou shalt not bear false witness against your neighbor. Ten rules. I mean, he crunches everything down to ten flipping rules to give us a bird's eye view of what would make a perfect society, and he's going to put defamation in there. Really? Defamation, is that important? Bearing false witness against your neighbor? Yes, and I'll tell you why. Because when you bear false witness about your neighbor, when you gossip, when you criticize, when you pull them down so that you gain what you think in the demonic culture is greater honor, defamation, when you bear false witness, it's character assassination. It's character assassination. Think about it. All the rules you could write to make a perfect civilization. And God crunches them down to ten. And he's got, don't bring false witness against your neighbor. Why? Why would that be so important? Because it's spiritual murder. You destroy a person's reputation, you've destroyed their life. It's an act of dishonor. And the Ten Commandments are all about honoring God, honoring yourself, and honoring somebody else. In this world, for me to look bigger and for me to look better, i got to tell you why everybody else isn't as good. In fact, it's the motive of operation in most sales techniques. There's this product, that product. I'm selling you this product because that product is deficient in this area, this area, this area, this area. And we don't think twice about it, it's normal. Of course, that's what you do in selling. The devil's norm has become our norm. And we do it in politics, and we all jump on board, and we sing the same trash songs that the world sings. Well, at least I got three claps. You could adamantly, vibrantly, passionately disagree with somebody and speak honorably about them. But the way to win an election in this culture is to assassinate somebody's character. And the garbage that's going on in America is demonic. And then we look to the White House for the answer. The White House is the wrong house. The house you should be looking to is God's house. We as born-again Christians need to be different. We as born-again Christians are meant to be the imprint makers. We're meant to be the influencers. That's what it means when Jesus said, I'll make you the salt. You're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. You and I are meant to be the influencers. You're not going to influence squat when you mirror what the majority of the world is doing. But we will set a different path when we live a different way. Somebody say yes! Yes. We don't have honor in the church. We need to learn to develop honor. It is the language of angels. It is the language of the Godhead. That's why the Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians and he says, prefer one another above yourselves. What is he saying? Take the good that's in you and clothe someone else with it and build them up and don't even worry about, are they getting taller than me? Belinda, do you like it when I mess up his hair? It does, not like mine. Honor, how am I doing? Oh, Jesus. Somebody shoot the clock. God doesn't say to honor your father. He doesn't say to honor your mother because they earned it. He says honor. The same way father, you're gonna pray to God? He's father, make it hallowed. The same way in the Ten Commandments, he says, don't treat my name like a tissue and you blow your nose on. And then it's not good for anything else, literally. Make my name weighty. I'm father. And then he says, now honor. Kabod, put weight on the position of a mother and a father. Oh, but my dad raped me when I was a child. My father used to punch me in the face and call me an idiot. My father said, you look like your mother. You look like you got hit by a bus. He didn't say honor them because they earned it. He said honor them because they were created to be in the image of God. And a demon got in there and traumatized them at various points in their life. And they act and live out of the dishonor that happened to them. And if you can be wise enough and take the oil of honor and rub it into them and onto them like myrrh, even if it costs you. Listen, it will never cost you. Listen, listen. This is good. It will never cost you because it doesn't matter how much myrrh you take out of yourself and put on them while they're acting absolutely ugly. While you return dishonor with honor, not only is your honor healing their wounds, the honor you give to them is the honor that will start to heal you of the wounds they stabbed you with out of their dishonor. You wanna self medicate? We self medicate in this culture. Pornography. You won't watch pornography where the other person never looks like they want you. They always want you. Why? Because they're going to get paid. Everybody wants to be wanted. The greatest pull of pornography is not the sexual excitement. That is a facet. But it's the fact that the person you're watching will always look through the screen and through the lens like they want you. And everybody wants to be wanted. And men become addicted to a false sense of being wanted and desired. And that is a cry for honor. I want someone to put time on me. I want someone to put value on me. I want someone to notice me. I want someone who wants to hug me and touch me and make me feel like I'm alive. We pull people down. I don't remember I was, pornography was only going to be one of a number of things, examples I was going to give. I lost my train of thought. But we, we, we get dishonored and we dishonor when people don't honor us. And yet, I don't have to. I said we medicate with porn We medicate with pills. We medicate with alcohol. We medicate with drugs. And you can look down your nose at a drug user. You got to understand, they are living out of earlier traumas, and they're medicating the best way they know how. Give honor, not criticism. Give honor, not a pointing finger. Give honor. Maybe you'll actually heal those crisis moments in their life that they're still living out of and needing to medicate, medicate them with the myrrh of honor, the anointing oil of honor. That's why in the Greek, in the New Testament, when it says honor your mother and your father, if you guys could put that slide up there, in the Greek, the word is, I think, tomao something like that, and it means to assign honor. Assign honor as we close today. And thank you for your patience and staying with me. But as we close today, can we challenge ourselves to learn the language of honor? We don't need to self medicate with drugs, we don't need to self medicate with a braggadocious ego. We don't need to self-medicate by pushing ourselves ahead and pushing everyone else down so that we feel better about who we are. We don't need to self-medicate through alcohol. We don't need to self-medicate through pornography. We can self-medicate the more you give honor. Listen, I hate the fact that this scripture is only ever used in the church about, and it's always used for money, and that's not the context, Jesus said, give, and it'll be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running out all over. And the context wasn't money. Give. Give. Compliment people from your heart. Take something good that's in you and shower them with it. It doesn't matter if they start to levitate and they're getting taller than you. It doesn't matter if you're making them come alive. It will heal you. Because the demons that live in the moments of your trauma where you were dishonored, as your culture and your atmosphere becomes an atmosphere of giving honor generously, those demons can't stand it and they gotta leave. The reason why demons hate praise and worship is because it's giving honor to God. It's not their language, it's not their culture. They do as poorly in an atmosphere of honor as a fish does on dry land. And so, as we give honor generously, we are self medicating with the anointing oil that comes from heaven. Praise God. Somebody say, Thank you, Jesus. Somebody say, I'm glad I came today. today. Somebody say, I'm going to live different. Come on, let's stand. Thank you. God bless you. Praise God. Everyone close your eyes. No one will ever give you more honor than God. I don't know why religion paints God as the fault finder. It paints God as the judge. And yet when I read the Bible, he's always sitting on a mercy seat. And the only time that God sits on the judgment seat is for one short moment at the end of the ages. But from Genesis... Right up until one split moment in the book of Revelations, just for a split moment, he sits on a mercy seat. If you've never asked Jesus in your heart, nobody will show you or pour on you more honor, love, affection, and understanding than God the Father. God loves you. And yeah, your dad might have called you an idiot and frowned at you ever since you were a little boy or a little girl. But One of the reasons why God, Jesus said, his name is not just God, it's Father. is because God wants to come down as the father you should have had and heal you of those hurts and prove to you that he's a wonderful dad. He's a great, great, if you have never asked Jesus in your heart, I'm not asking you to join this church. I'm asking you to say yes to Father God. Because he wants to pick you up. First thing he wants to do is live inside you. First thing. Long before you change, the Bible says when we get born again when we ask Jesus in our heart God comes to live inside of us long before we change tell me that's not honor my house is still broken the windows don't open properly the door doesn't shut well the whole thing needs a paint job and a remodel and God says that's okay I'm gonna live right there in your house you as broken as you are. Tell me that's not an act of honoring us, where we are, how we are, and who we are. If you've never asked Jesus in your heart, let me take a moment as we close here to introduce you. God became flesh and dwelt amongst us, and we know him as Jesus. And he died on the cross to pay for every mistake I've made and for every mistake somebody did to me. He didn't die just to forgive me of my sins. He died to set me free of the sins that people committed against me. Amen. So as every eye is closed today, if you've never asked Jesus Christ into your heart, Jesus, God the Father wants to have relationship with you. All you have to do is put your hand up and say, I'm in. I'm saying yes. I want you to come in my life. I need you. Every eye closed. Raise your hand right now if you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Come on. Across this auditorium. Eyes are closed. Thank you. I see that hand. God bless you, sir. You can put your hand down. Thank you. Who else wants to raise their hand right now and say yes? I want to say yes to Jesus Christ. I want to, I want to experience what Pastor Rob's talking about. I want to honor God so that the honor of God can come into my life. Would you do something very quickly and very quietly and respectfully, gently? Turn to somebody next to you, even if you've known them for the last 20 years, and ask them and say, Have you asked Jesus in your heart? And offer to come out the front with them. Offer to take them down the front. I want to pray for people. I want to put my hands on you. My goal wasn't to get your hand up in the air. My goal was to spend time with you. I want to lay hands on you. Turn to somebody right now. Thank you. Come. Turn to somebody. Come on. Everybody. Everybody should be moving and talking. Turn to the person next to you, even if you've known them for 20 years, and say, Do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Ask them if they would like to accept Christ. I'm so proud of you, man. I only just met you. Good grief. Your first time here, and you're already responding. High five. Danny. God bless you, Danny. Well, thank you. Thank you. See? Here he is, first time here, he's already giving me honor. You did an awesome job preaching. You know, Danny, you know what I found? The more real I get, the more honest and I just speak it like it is, the more people open up to God. And they say, that's what I want. That's what I want. I'm so glad you're here this morning. And I forgot your name. Mimi. Mimi, I met you last week, right? Mimi. Well, Dan, I want you to, Danny, turn around for a moment. If you've asked Jesus in your heart, I want Dan to see. Raise your hand. So what I'm saying, Dan, is you're not the odd man out. Every one of these people did what you're doing right now. Gotcha. If you raise your hand, show Danny what you think about the fact that he's asking Jesus in his heart. The church, the body of Jesus, isn't here to point fingers. We're here to be a cheer squad and give honor and encourage people. You can do this. So turn around, face just me so you only have to look at my beautiful face. I thought I'd change it up. I want everyone to pray this prayer, but Danny, especially you. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to ask you to repeat. Why? Because I'm not here to trick you. I don't get paid more if people come out the front. I'm not here to trick you. So we're going to say something like this, and I'm going to give you the opportunity, if you want, to say, nah, I don't want to say that. I will not manipulate you. I won't manipulate anyone. Manipulation is the highest form of dishonor. Because you are secretly stealing a person's free will. Manipulation is the highest form of dishonor. And so, Danny, we're going to say something like this. Jesus, I, I, I believe you love me. I, I sense something. I feel something. I believe you're God. I've screwed up. I've made mistakes. Just out of curiosity, you ever screw up? I, I've screwed up a heap. A heap, yeah. Listen, if I had to put my hand up, this hand would be fighting to have equal time. So we're going to say, hey, I messed up. I've screwed up. I've made mistakes. I've sinned. But God, I get the sense you love me. And I feel like I need you. And so, God, I'm asking you to come into my heart. Number one, forgive me. But number two, yeah, I want to receive your love. Live in me. Is that sort of why you put your hand up? Would you like to pray that? no tricks nothing up my sleeves that's why I wear short sleeves I'm going to ask everyone to pray this prayer repeat after me Danny hold my hand repeat after me everybody dear God I feel your presence Jesus I believe you died for me I need you Jesus Christ I've made mistakes Thank you for loving me anyway and accepting me. Jesus, come into my heart right now. Forgive me and live inside me from this day forward. Thank you, God, for caring about me. I'm looking forward to building a relationship with you. I give you access to my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What do you think, church? Pastor Tom, would you come down? Mimi, Danny, I made a like a four minute video. It's going to explain what just happened. If you follow this guy, he's better looking than me. He's smarter than me. He's a really good pastor. That's why I have him on staff. He loves people. He's going to take you in that room, give you a free Bible, okay, and play the video for four minutes, and then he's just going to become your friend. How's that? Mimi, would you go with Danny? Would you go with Pastor Tom? Everyone give them a big hand as they go. Amen. You know, Danny is a dad. He's got a little baby boy. Best Father's Day gift he could get, right? Amen. Now listen, I'm not going to pray over you. I want you to preach now. You can't leave these doors unless you go up to about a dozen people and I want you to put honor on them. Don't just say, hey, God bless you. I want you to stop and say, no, really. I pray God's blessing over your life. I want you to be lifted up in every area. Thank you. Turn to somebody, 12 people. I mean that too, yeah. by the way, Sam yeah. and Mary met you for the first time 40 minutes ago. Yeah. I want you to go to 12 people. And I want you to give honor, put a blessing on them, and have an